Hey friends, welcome back to With a Splash of Jesus. I'm your host, Jordan. We are back for another great conversation. This week, we have Liz Henderson. Passionate about people and places, Liz Henderson finds joy in sharing the best of her home, gatherings, and quaint places on her Instagram, at The Hendy House. Formerly a radio and TV producer, Liz now spends her days designing beautiful events and encouraging others to make the ordinary days magical by celebrating the mundane. Mom to Quincy, Marley, and Banks, Liz and her husband Mike call Goshen, Indiana their home. Liz is actually my cousin, and when we were deciding on who we wanted to have speak for hospitality, it was an absolute no-brainer that I wanted Liz to do this, and I hope you find a lot of encouragement and the valuable information that Liz has to offer. So here's this week's conversation with Liz Henderson. I am so excited. We have Liz Henderson here on the podcast. I'm so thankful that Liz agreed to do this. So this week, we're going to continue our relationship series. And Liz is going to be talking about community and just having a heart for hospitality. So let's get started on our get to know you questions. What are you currently reading in the Bible? Yes, great question. Okay, so and you might laugh, but my six-year-old memorized Psalm 23 for school. And typically that is a passage that I kind of just brush to the side or I think about like, oh, that's a funeral or a deathbed passage or, you know, something you go over. And I have really dug into it recently as I recite it with her every night and I love it. So I think about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? So I've been digging into that. And then my favorite devotional right now, though, is called Streams in the Desert by um, Mrs. Charles Cohen. And it's 70, 100 years old devotional. And it is so rich in the truth of Jesus and what he wants to do in your life. And so I have it emailed to me every day and it has a scripture. And so I read that, but then I go deeper and I, you know, whatever it is that day, I start reading the chapter and kind of the commentary behind it as well. That's awesome. Yeah. My life is a little chaotic lately. And, you know, most people like to have a pattern or rhythm or whatever, but me, you know, nope. Every day is something new and something different. But Psalm 23 is the one consistent thing that every night we're reciting at home and also thinking about what does Jesus mean by this? I love that you're instilling that in your kids too. That's so important. So in Psalm 23 and in that devotional that you get sent to every day, what is God teaching you in that? Yes. Okay. Oh, so much. Where to even begin? Okay. You know what? I should back up here. I say that devotional, but there's two books that have also changed my life that I think about all the time. I mean, probably every day. So the two books that have changed my life are Love Does by Bob Goff. We've talked about that so many times. Yeah. Okay. So I read it a long time ago and I think about it all the time. It changed my life too when I was in high school. Yeah. Yes. And then the second book is The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. And he has a devotional called The 40 Day Draw the Circle Prayer Challenge. And that is a book that I literally think about every day. And it's a devotional that I do with friends every year, almost, it seems. And so prayer is, you know, one of the big things that I think about all the time right now with that book with the devotional and also with Psalm 23 is like, okay, what is prayer really about? What does Jesus have for us? And I think, you know, growing up as a Christian, my goal for praying was, okay, how can I get the thing that I'm praying for in the fastest way possible? Whereas I'm learning that prayer is all about communing with the heart of God and having my opinion change, you know, about what God has for me along the way. So I'm learning that right now. I'm learning about what does it mean to be still 
Psalm 23, it talks about, so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, you know, all these things like, okay, we live in such a crazy world right now. What does it mean to be still? What does it mean to lie down? What does it mean to soak in who God is? And so those are the things on my mind. I love it. I love it. So what's currently on your nightstand? Yes. Okay. Currently on my nightstand. Sissy Goff is a fairly new friend. I interviewed her for work and she's a great author, counselor, and she wrote a book called Raising Worry-Free Girls. It's powerful. So I struggle probably my whole life with anxiety and I have a six-year-old who tends to get fearful as well. And so this book is all about taking captive of your thoughts and raising girls who are really brave. So that's one book that is on my mind and heart right now, besides all these kids books I have. What's something you can't stop talking about? Like you're so passionate about that you just talk about it nonstop. Yes. So I asked my husband, Mike, this question tonight. I said, okay, what can I not stop talking about? And he said, Liz, you cannot stop talking about having people over to the house, about parties, about gatherings. And I think that's just what I love to do. I love to entertain. When I was setting up like a schedule for this, you were the only person that came to mind when I like knew I wanted to talk about hospitality. I was like, yep, this is a no brainer because I've watched you do it over the years and it's just so inspirational to watch. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. No, it's truly my joy and I feel like in my blood. So let's kind of dive into the topic of hospitality. Can you tell us a little bit about why and how hospitality became so important to you? So growing up, I grew up in a family where we had parties all the time. And my friends today are the children of my parents' friends. And then our grandparents are friends. So it's this generational thing. And I grew up spending a lot of time in the yard having parties, inside having parties. And it was just a part of who my family was. We liked to gather people. So that was instilled in me. And I loved going to college and gathering people together. And I thought, you know, this is something I want my life to be about. However, it didn't begin to take like true importance until I got married and Mike and I entered a season of loneliness. And they say sometimes that you discover your passion in life when you are in a really dark season, you know, you discover what you care about the most. And it's true. We were so lonely. I've shared this story before, but I remember a New Year's Eve where I was roaming the aisles of Walmart and I just desperately wanted to be invited to a party somewhere. I didn't know anybody. I was in a new town, but I felt so alone. And I went home that night and I told Mike, I'm like, okay, when we get settled in a house, I'm going to have a party and I'm going to invite people over because this is what I need. So that story sticks with me because from there, I just developed a passion to connect with people who are lonely, to connect with people who need friends and to kind of create a community. So it all stems from a season of loneliness that I wanted a friend. So I want to be that to other people now. I love that so much. So I want to talk about this both from like a biblical perspective and a worldly, like, let's get some tips on how to be like hospitable. So let's start with those tips tips first. So what advice do you have for people if they want a house, but they feel like their house might be too small or their house isn't like aesthetically pleasing or Instagram worthy? Like what kind of tips do you have? Okay. So I think it's so important to remember that hospitality needs to be more about the people you're serving than about you. And anytime you have someone over, you want them to leave feeling really good about themselves and not good about you. And that takes the pressure off of you. So my goal when we have people over is that people feel loved. They feel like people are interested in them and they just leave having a good time. And so what does that look like? It doesn't look like fancy food all the time. It doesn't look like pretty tablescapes. And so my advice to anybody is the first step is to send out an invite because it puts the pressure on. You have a date on your calendar to have them over and then plan something simple. It's not 
going to stress you out. So for me, a lot of the times I just order a pizza and I ask the guests, like, will you bring a dessert? And then the third thing I always have on hand is a pretty tablecloth. I keep I use the same one all summer long. I just wash it each time, but it looks good. And so it's a really easy way to throw it out. And then I grab some, you know, flowers from the yard. And so those are just really practical tips to get started in okay. hosting. I love that. So what advice do you have for people that may be like low budget or like they don't love to cook? What do you do in those situations? People get confused with hospitality because they think it always has to be in your home. And I've gone through seasons where my house is trashed with little kids. You know, I just I don't have the capacity to welcome people in. And so I always tell people you can bring the party wherever you go. And so my advice for people like that is invite someone to meet you for coffee. You know, the goal of hospitality is to make people feel warm, welcomed and engaged. You can do that easily at a coffee shop. Or if you don't have, you know, the budget for something like that, plan a play date at a park. You know, these activities, these hosting things can move elsewhere to a place that you feel comfortable that costs no money, but still make people feel included and loved. I love that. So when you're staying and you're you're hosting in your home, but your spouse may not be fully on board, how do you get your spouse on board? <laughs> yes. Okay. So this is a good question. My husband and I are very different in what we like to do for entertaining. He loves small parties. Like his preferred guest count would be a total of six people okay. so that we can all talk. My preferred guest count would be about 75 people. I would love to have like a huge party. And so I think one, it's important to, you know, get on the same page together about how many people you're having over that night, but also ask your spouse, okay, what would make tonight a win for you? And kind of collaborate on how you can get on board together and say, hey, this is a passion and desire of my heart. Can you help me bring this to life? But in doing so, how can I make this comfortable for you as well? I love that. And CJ and I are like complete opposites of you guys. Like I lean way towards Mike. Really? He leans towards you. Yeah. I am like a small group. Like I love to interact with everybody. I don't like anyone feeling left out. I I'm definitely like six to eight people max. Oh my gosh, that's funny. You and Mike will get along well then. I love it. So do you have any tips for hosting people in a different season of life that you like? We have a lot of friends that either have kids a lot younger than us or, you know, single friends. How do you do that well? Good question. So one of my favorite things to do is to invite older couples from church, like senior citizen couples, you know, who are married over with young people for dinner. Because one, they say, you know, the elderly are so lonely. And so I want to keep them engaged and feeling loved. But also there's so much wisdom we can glean from them. So for a gathering like that, what I do is I invite people to come and share their story and that we can ask them questions. And so I'll pick an older couple from church, say, would you join us for dinner or dessert? And I'm going to invite, you know, three young couples and they can ask you questions about your life. So that's one way that we engage, you know, different generations. For people who are in a different season of life, for example, there's a young girl that I mentor. She's in her 20s. She doesn't have kids and my life looks chaotic to her, you know? And so the best thing that I do is invite her into the chaos. You know, I remember one of the first times she came over for dinner, we had to walk walk the dog, walk the baby. And so we invited her on a walk with us, you know, and it's all about just inviting them into the season you're at. They want to see you for your real life. So just invite them into that. I love that. There was a book that I read not long ago that talked about that, like in the in the other person's shoes. Like if you want to be a mom one day, surround yourself with moms. Look mm-hmm. how they raise their kids. Look how they interact with their husbands. And I think that's so important that we look to whatever we're wanting to do, whether it yes. be a podcast or be a mom or whatever. We need to look to those that have gone before us. Yes, no, definitely. I love that too. 
So I want to dive into more like the heart of hospitality and the biblical side of things. So first Peter four and nine says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. We all have bad days. We all have days where we're like not feeling it. So how do you find joy while having a hospitable attitude and not feel like it's just another thing that, you know, you have to do or that God's calling you to do? That's a great question because it's easy to get stressed out about all of this stuff. When I have days where I'm planning a a big party or, you know, to have people over for dinner, those are the days that typically go bad at home for us, you know? And I always tell myself like, this is kingdom work. The devil knows that. And no matter, our lives are kingdom work, but having people over and inviting them into community is so near to the heart of God. And the devil wants people isolated. And so when my day goes bad, I kind of fight against that. And I say, okay, not today, Satan, this isn't happening. So that's one way. But a second, way is to just try and be prepared. So like I said, we use the same tablecloth every time we order pizza. We make things easy so that we don't back out of these commitments because it's easy to tell people, oh, I'm sorry, tonight's not going to work. You know, I'm going to cancel. And so I try and make things easy from a practical perspective. And then always at the end of the night, Mike and I, after every gathering, we sit down and we say, okay, who do you think had the best time tonight? And we go, we go, you know, person by person and say, I think this person enjoyed this. And you kind of tuck those things away in your heart and you remember that and you remember, okay, tonight was for so-and-so. And it gives you the fuel to keep going for the next time that when you want to grumble or complain that you know that you touched a life before and you want to keep doing it again. I love that you mentioned that like this is kingdom work and our lives are kingdom work. I know I was just telling you like today was a crap day. Yeah. But it seems like every single day that I record a podcast, something goes wrong. Like something major goes wrong. And I remind myself every single time, the enemy does not want me doing this podcast. Like the enemy does not want us people like hosting people at our house. He does not want us advancing the kingdom in any way. And I think remembering that is so important because it puts things into perspective. Like, sure, I couldn't find my, you know, SD card, but guess what? Like we found a way and we're here doing this and this is what God's calling us to do. No, absolutely. I think that it's easy to forget that our lives are, you know, there's a spiritual realm in place all the time and that we have to constantly fight against that. Yeah, absolutely. So the Bible talks a lot about like community and surrounding yourself with other Christians or godly people. Do you have practical tips for helping people emerge themselves in a good community outside of just attending church on Sundays? I have so many thoughts about this that I was thinking, okay, so the best example is Jesus. So he had his disciples. So he had a small circle and then he also went out and ministered to hundreds of people. And so I think today in society, people either have one or the other. You have a really good small circle and you're kind of clicky or you don't have a really tight circle. You kind of know everybody and kind of mingle within. within. And Jesus had both. And so my tips for people for first finding your tight circle would be to put yourself out there and get involved in a small group or a life group through your church or through a ministry, you know, whether you're volunteering, but get together with people who you will rub your shoulders with constantly on a regular basis. And then for ministering on a wider level, my advice would be to find an area that you're passionate about and plug in there. But I think the key is though, is I think about the life of Jesus, obviously all the time, but he was so close with his disciples and it's easy. We get in a rhythm of being close with our besties and we say, it's healthy, you know, but Jesus also calls you to go in and out, in and out. And it's easy to become 
complacent in one or the other. I've gone through seasons where I have felt like I know a lot of people, but I'm not deep with a few people or I'm too clicky in this season, you know, and I'm not going out. And so I think those are two things to keep in mind. Identify who can be in your small circle through a small group or a ministry, and then identify how you can plug into a passion area on a wider realm and minister there as well. I think it's important for in that smaller circle, if you want to start hosting, that you could start there. Yes. Because like if they're the people that are closest to you and they love you regardless, like they're not going to care if you burn the food. They're not going to care if the dessert tastes gross. They just want to spend time with you. And I think that's a great way to start practicing. Totally. And I think it's good to tell your circle, hey, this is something I want to do and I want to work on. Can I practice on you? Absolutely. (laughs) So can you share some of the ways that community and hosting has strengthened your relationship with Jesus? Oh my goodness, where to begin? So I think all through life, we, everyone wrestles with the question, like, why am I here? You know, what is my purpose in life? What did God create me for? And for me, it strengthened my relationship with Jesus because I realized like, this is a gift he's given me. I think it's easy to look at parties and gatherings and be like, oh, that's just something, you know, you're good at. But no, I really feel like it's a spiritual gift and hosting is a spiritual gift to be stewarded well. And so it has drawn me closer to the heart of God because I view entertaining and parties as something that's near to his heart and that's something that is kingdom work. So I ask myself, okay, God, what do you want tonight to look like? Who needs to be sitting at this table? What do you want me to talk about? And so in order to do that, I have to be in communion with the Lord to know what that is. And so it's also drawn me closer to the Lord because I've realized everyone wants to be invited to anything. And Jesus invites us into an incredibly full life. And he's always, he always has a chair open for us. It's whether or not we're going to sit down. And so I think about that often too. You're choosing to be intentional with that hosting. You're not just hosting just another party. You're going before the Lord and saying, here, Lord, I'm like, I'm right here at your feet. Use me. Yeah. I think that's, that's really important to steward that heart of hospitality. Well, Totally. And I think it's easy to hang out with the same people over and over again, but God is asking you to to say, okay, who needs an invitation? Who's the outsider? Who needs to feel loved? And so, yes, it's incredibly intentional about who you ask to sit around your table. I love that. In Acts 2, it talks about in the early church, the church was breaking bread in their homes and cultivating a community of welcomeness. What advice do you have for a believer who's interested in creating this, but might not have support like from their local church, or they might not have that small or large community as a local church? Mike and I went to a large church in Indianapolis for a while and it was awesome. We loved it. But we felt like when we were young and newly married, they didn't have a young, newly married program or group or whatever. So my advice to people is to look at what's missing in the local church and create it yourself on a casual level. So for us, we invited five couples over and we did this like every Friday night and we would do a newlywed game night and it became so fun and funny, you know, and it was just a practical way for us to kind of create what we were hoping for, for our own lives. So my advice to people would be like, okay, what do you want? What's missing in your church? Go create it yourself or two, buddy up with a friend or another organization say, Hey, I have this dream. I want to do this. How can we bring it to life? I love that you went back to that season of loneliness that you had. Like, I want to create what's missing. And I think God wants to do that so often in our lives. Like he notices the void and he comes to us and said, I want to fill that void. Wow. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's so important. I love that. In Matthew 25, 40, Jesus says, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In verse 45, he states, 
Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So what does this say about how God views hospitality? It's kind of a loaded question. No, I know it is a loaded question. So it goes back to like, okay, our whole lives are kingdom work and we are called to do the little things, the big things all in the name of Jesus. And so I think it's so important to think about when you are hosting people like you need to think about is Jesus himself is at your table. And that when you reach out to someone who's lonely at church or you reach out to a friend who needs encouragement and invite them over, you know, you are doing that for Jesus. Yes, you're doing that for the friend, but you are doing that exactly like that passage talks about for Jesus himself. And I think it's important to listen to that still small voice inside of you, Mm -hmm. where if you feel a nudge that like, oh, I'm supposed to invite that person over it. Like that's Jesus telling you, hey, invite this person to my table. Yes. Come join, like have them join us. No, absolutely. And you talk about a nudge. I remember 10 years ago or so I was newly married in church and I really felt the Lord wanted me to tap on this girl's shoulder in front of me and just introduce myself and invite her over to one of our newlywed game nights. And so I tapped on her shoulder. Her name is Carrie. And I was like, hi, I'm Liz. Would you want to come to this game night? You know, and They came and the next week I got a letter in the mail and it said, Dear Liz, my husband and I were new to this church. We were trying it out. And I told myself if someone didn't introduce themselves to me this Sunday, I was going to leave the church. And lo and behold, the Lord told me to tap on her shoulder, you know, and invite her to a game night. And she stayed in the church and involved for that reason. And I think you're right. It's so important. You do need to listen to the nudge of the Holy Spirit because he has an agenda and a plan, you know, for you and for them and in order it to it to come to fruition, you have to obey. I love it. There's a passage of scripture that talks about you never know when you're entertaining angels. Hebrews 13.2 says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Hopefully I didn't take that verse out of context, but um, I think God tests us and that he wants to know, are we welcoming? Who are we inviting? I do think it's so important to think about who you have around your table and to know that you are serving well, you need to act like you're serving God himself. And so that would be my advice there. My practical tips for hosting are first, don't get caught up in your head about it. I think it's easy to think your house isn't pretty enough. Your house is a mess. What are they going to think about it? Like people People don't care. Yeah. People don't like me. People don't care. Like honestly, anyone who invites me over to their house today, I feel so loved and honored that they would include me. And that is what matters most. Tip one, don't get caught up in your head. Tip two, be practical and easy with it. You know, don't be too hard on yourself. Ask people to bring food over too. And tip three would be, if you struggle with conversation around the table, I would always say, have question starters. That is like the best thing that you could do. So Mike and I have these little cards and they have questions like, if your spouse was a candy bar, what candy bar would they be? You know, I love it though. Cause it's, <laughs> yes. it just like starts conversation. You know, yes. it's funny that you mentioned that I had on my list of questions for you. I had like, if you don't love small talk, what's yes. a way to like, you know, have good conversations while avoiding the small talk. So I love that you, yes. that you have those. Well, and the reality is like people are awkward, you know, I yeah. mean, I'm cringing now thinking about dinner parties I've had where, you know, conversation gets awkward. And so we just pull out like one of these cards and we ask that, or we say, okay, if you could go on a dream vacation, where would you go? And we have everybody go around. And so we typically ask a few questions like that, you know, loosen people up, you know, and then it gets conversation flowing into deeper questions like, okay, what's something we can pray for you about? What is something, you know, this? And so that would be a huge tip. You know, that's a great icebreaker. And then keep the food simple, you know, invite people to bring something over. And then lastly, remember that it is always about your guests and it is not about you. 
And so at the end of the night, be over the top, gracious and thank them for coming. Say you so enjoyed their company, you know, and ask, you know, how can I be praying for you as you leave? And I always love to text people at the end of the night if they came over and I say, thank you so much for coming. Like I loved seeing you because people want to feel that, you know, like they were welcomed. Yeah. Connected and whatnot. And so I know that some of the most meaningful times in my life have been filled around a table. You know, I feel like the tables where stories are told, dreams are made, you know, and the table is such a crucial part of your home that is often overlooked in America today. You know, families are busy or whatnot. So my advice would be look at your table, ask yourself who needs to be around it and invite them to join you. And there's studies too that show like you're more likely to put your guard down if you have something in your hand, Mm -hmm. whether it be a fork, cup, you know, um, our pastor says all the time that he'll go out and he'll order a drink right away because people are more likely to put their guard down with something in your hand. Wow. I don't know what it is. Yes. But- no, I totally believe that. That's yeah. awesome. No, I totally believe that. And you know, I think too, like conversation is so important. It gets people's wheels turning about their life. And for example, I've had the same best friend since I was, gosh, two years old. Like we've all grown up in this town together, but we got together recently. And for the first time ever, we said, okay, what is your dream for your life? And we all went around and, you know, I think we did have drinks in our hand, you know, as we're chatting and we all went around and shared and there's vulnerability that happens when you circle up intentionally about something. So I love that. Give them a drink, ask them a deep question. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. even have to be alcohol. Like no, it could be water, you know? I think I was holding a Mountain Dew when I told them my deepest dream for my life. So parties, hospitality, gathering has radically changed my life. I am not a cook or anything, but I found, you know, from a season of loneliness that I don't want other people to be lonely. And so my passion has been found in bringing people together. And my hope is that is how God continues to use me and that I can train up my kids, you know, to do the same, to raise them to be kind and welcoming and generous as well. And I think you've done a great job with that. Just seeing your stories and meeting your kids. Like you do such a good job of that. Oh, thank you. Well, yes. Um, You guys will have to join us for a dinner party sometime too. We are looking forward to it. So do you have any books that you can recommend to people about hospitality? Yes. Okay. So love does obviously number one. I feel like that is like speaks to the heart of hospitality or just life in general. No, absolutely. Love does would always be my starting point. I would actually recommend the circle maker for anyone because it kind of starts with this thing of like, you need to pray about, you need to ask God what you're supposed to pray about. And then you pray about that. And so that would be my next suggestion because I feel like that book can help you identify your gifts and how God has wired you. My other suggestion would be, okay, this is like who you could follow on Instagram. This is not a book. No, that's okay. I love it. Books, resources, whatever. So I have a girlfriend. Her Instagram account is called Hoosier Home Stories. Her husband is a police officer who preaches and she's so passionate about entertaining. And so she shows you on her Instagram how to make like the dollar store decorations look so fancy. And I am like all about it. So I'm her big hype hype woman right now, you know, but she's awesome with showing you practical tips for entertaining. So that would be that. And then let's see here. What would be my third? Oh, find yourself, you know, like a good cookbook or a good carryout menu and keep that on hand as well. (laughs) I love the Magnolia Homes books because I feel like it's just like a good home cooked meal and they're not that hard to Have you made them? I love them. I have all three of them. No way. Okay. So I have the cookbook sitting on my counter. I've not used it yet. But- <laughs> I know. 
I know. I have not really cooked in quite a while. So. That's okay. We all go through seasons. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so fun. No, I so definitely recommend. So my favorite to make, CJ is not a huge fan of it, but my favorite to make is the Friendsgiving casserole. Really? So it's like, okay, what is like it? a ton of like Thanksgiving things and throws them all into a casserole. Oh my and gosh. And then you serve okay. it with like cranberry sauce. Okay, well, I'll have to look at that. That sounds interesting. It's in maybe. volume one. Yes, okay, I'll look. No, but Jordan, I want to hear from you. What, like, uh, for me, I think back to dinner parties that have changed my life or someone who's invited me over to the house for coffee or dinner and some of my biggest conversations in life have happened over a table. So when you think about your life, have you had like a life-changing moment around a table? Oh, that's such a good question. So... When my husband and I first started going to our local church, they started announcing that they were doing dinner parties. And so our local church actually helps like facilitate hospitality. So CJ and I are actually hosting one next week where you you go out to a local restaurant and you don't know who's signing up and they don't know who's hosting it. What? And so you just like blind sign up based off the restaurant, the day and the time. And then you all show up and you get to do community together. I love that. Okay. So how many people is it? Right now we have, I think like eight on our list. That's amazing. We're going to the local, the bird in the hand. Yep. Okay. Um, And they have like cornhole and they have ping pong and they have a fire outside. So praying for clean weather, like no rain. But yeah, I think of those moments. We went to one last year. And before that, we were kind of like, we know people, but we don't know people. Yeah. And we left that going wow, we have found some new friends. And that really just kind of helped us dive into wanting to serve more and be more involved at the church. And we gained some really great friends out of that. Friends that like we love to just hang out with or we text on the regular basis. So I love that, that. drastically changed our life. That's amazing. Well, and you know, they say people are more likely to stay in church when they make connections outside of the church. And so I love that your church is doing that, you know, at restaurants and whatnot. That's amazing. Yeah. They do really good job at uh, facilitating a lot of things for us. So I, I love it. Yes. No. Okay. So I've never asked you this. Do you entertain? On occasion. Yeah. Okay. You guys are good cooks though. <laughs> I see your pictures of food and CJ is like, where's his, um, what's it called? Groves you, patio. What? Yeah. Where's the Groves patio? Right up back. Your backyard? Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh. Okay. Well, I love yeah. that. He would love to turn it into a restaurant one day. Him and a friend have a plan to turn it into like a whiskey bar slash family bar oh, hangout okay. area. Yeah. Called Groves patio. Well, I should probably yeah. copyright that before yeah. someone takes it. <laughs> You're going to have to invite us over to Groves patio patio for a party. We would love to. We would absolutely love to. Yeah. So we do host. It gets a little challenging when, you know, we have kids in drastically different age ranges. We have the older boys who are six and eight and they're with us half the time. And then we have Corbin who's one. And so we have to be very intentional about who we invite over when the boys are here and then who we invite over when it's just Corbin. I feel like we have two different kinds of friends groups, you know, like friends with younger kids, friends with older kids. And so we do love that. And our boys love to have people over too. Like they're like, can we go show them our playroom? Can we make dessert? Like what can we do? So, Oh, I love that. I would love to host more, but now that we're settled in our new house, it's definitely going to start happening more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think it's important to train our kids early, you know, to be good hosts. We live in a society, like we're all glued to our phones, you know, and the idea of getting out and talking with people face to face is so good for our kids to see. So I love that you're doing that too. And I live with my phone on do not disturb all the time for that exact reason. Like I don't want my kids to see me glued to my phone all the time. So I'll answer 
whoever when it's convenient for me. And yeah. Like, when my kids are in bed or if they're off having like independent play, like during the work hours, my phone is always on do not disturb because I just want to be super intentional with those face-to-face conversations oh and also make sure that I'm fully present for those that I'm answering on my phone. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you know, I speaking of the phone, there's so many things I could say about the phone, but I'm also glued to it. I feel like, but you know, I feel like we do live in this society as like we all think we have these online friends, but we don't really have physical friendships. You know, the majority of people you talk to, they can maybe name less than five people that they see regularly, you know? So I think there is something really special about like physically gathering on your patio, on your porch, around a table to do that and to be intentional about that. So, And it creates vulnerability too. Like you might be what you think is vulnerable with someone online, but you take that to like a whole new level when you're sitting face-to-face having human interaction actions that God created us to have. Yes. Yes. No, totally. My husband, Mike was telling me recently about, he had heard this story about a woman who is having a panic attack. And the thing that snapped her out of it was a person coming up in the act of physical touch to her, putting a hand on her, you know, and there is something to be said about that. The act of physical touch, the act of, you know, sitting down with someone talking, it has an effect on the brain that calms you, that does something much more than your phone ever could. I mean, it's scripture. Like God calls us, especially when we're praying for someone to lay hands on them. Yes. Well, and the thing is God created for us to be in community. You know, it is what we are called to do. And I do not believe that you can be a Christian. I might get in trouble for saying this, but I do not believe that you can be a Christian and, you know, go to church on Sunday and not commune with believers at other times. You know, you are called to be with them and you're called to pray for them. You're called to provide for their needs. You are called to, you know, break bread together. The Bible so clear about that. And so we just have to get over ourselves and find practical ways to do that with each other. I love that you say that because so often my husband and I look to like the Old Testament or even the life of Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of what we're called to do in our life, because like God gave us the Bible for a reason. He gave us the example of the early church for a reason. Like he gave us those to look at and set example for. And so, so often we look at that for how to raise our children, how to have, you know, a godly marriage, how to host and be hospitable, how to interact within the church. Like, I think it's so important to go back to scripture with whatever you're feeling like you should do. And like, is this what God says that we're supposed to do. Yes, totally. And, you know, you mentioned like the New Testament and I think, and you asked earlier, you know, what do you do about people who feel like they don't have enough to offer, you know, or are financially strapped with hosting? And I think about the story about the little boy, you know, and the loaves of fish and bread, you know, he brought what he could and Jesus multiplied that and created something incredible for that. And I think that would be another, you know, tidbit for hosting to, you know, bring what you can offer it. And God is going to do far above and beyond anything you could ask with I that. love that you mentioned that. So I have a story to share on that. When I was a single mom, I had invited a bunch of my friends over to my parents' house where the boys and I were living. And I didn't necessarily have the money to buy like a ton of snacks and all of that. But I was like, no, I'm going to make this a priority. Like if I have to, you know, sacrifice other things and someone paid for our entire grocery bill. No way. Yeah. Do you know who did it? <gasps> I don't know the person. It was a stranger. And so I was like, okay, God, like you wanted this to happen. That's amazing. He makes a way where there is no way. Wow. So I just always go back to that. Yes. Like if he wants this, if this is God ordained, he will make it happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. No, I love that. And you know, I always tell people... 
I have felt most loved by the Lord through the generosity of people. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so if we need to make someone feel loved, you know, it's up to us to do that. And one of my favorite stories is I went through a really dark season of I was depressed. I was sad. My friend had died and I felt like the Lord had forgotten about me. And so my husband, Mike, and I went out to eat at a restaurant we always go to on a Sunday. And I remember praying that day, God, if you love me, I need to feel that you love me. And someone paid for our bill that day, our meal. And at the time we were, you know, newly married. Well, we didn't have a ton of money. And so they paid for our meal and I cried because I felt like God loved me enough that someone would provide a meal for me in that way. So no, I love that. Yes, it is affirmation that you're doing what God has for you. Affirmation that he loves you. That's so cool. And I think you feel so seen. So seen. So seen by God that, you know, me out of all people would be loved enough by Jesus for him to orchestrate this for me. Yes, no, absolutely. And, you know, scripture talks about like, okay, if his eye is on the sparrow, you know, you know, he watches you, but until you experience it first saying, you know, you, you don't know. Yeah. And so I love that. It's stuff like that. When you look for the hand of God and you can see it clearly. I love it. Well, we're approaching our end of our time. Are you ready for your rapid fire questions? Oh my gosh. I forgot about those. Okay. <laughs> yes. So what is your go-to coffee order? Okay. So I actually don't like coffee. Really? I drink Mountain Dew in the morning, which is not great, I know, <laughs> but it is my burst of energy to keep going with my kids. All right. I love it. What is the last thing you watched on Netflix? Waco and American Apocalypse. I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but no, you um, would be shocked at the variety of questions we've had answered. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. I'm glad it's that, but that was, that was wild. That was about a cult that yeah. ended very badly. So yes. All right. If someone wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? Ooh, maybe I would love for it to be like Party House, you know, rated G. <laughs> you know? I was literally thinking like the art of hosting or the art oh, of I hospitality. Okay. Okay. That sounds way classier than Party House rated G. So uh, <laughs> we'll go with the art of hosting. I don't know. I like the Party House. I feel oh like it God. very much fits your like, Yeah. Well, my pretty hear that and be like, you're so redneck. So <laughs> it's welcome okay. out. Um, if our guests want to follow you, where can they find you? Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram at the Hendy house. And that's where I share a little bit of my real life, you know, with kids, with hosting. It's a little bit of everything. It's me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We've loved having you. Yes. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Our podcasts are edited by Nick Berkey. If you have a story you want to share, please reach out through the forum on Instagram. I pray that you can take action this week and make a splash. 